Hi, I'm Jean Godfrey June, and this is Megan O'Neill. And we're the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty. Clean, non-toxic beauty, of course. Skincare, hair care, body care, self-care, and the way we think about beauty both as individuals and in the wider culture. Today is an awesome one. And if you're listening, you're going to walk away with a million easy tips for creating your best eyebrows at home. We're talking to Jimena Garcia, world-famous brow guru, Chanel's first-ever brow artist, and a person with the most incredible, encouraging, smart, warm energy. I met her. It was one of the last things I did before COVID. (laughs) I went to this dinner for Say, the Uh mascara that we love, and the eyelash curler, and the brows. Lainey, the woman who founded Say, she had a dinner at her house for all these cool people. And it was one of those things where you go to the dinner and you're like, oh my God, I got invited to this. <laughs> the Sakara girls were there. It was really cool. And we all sat on these cushions and they brought out all this delicious, healthy food. And she was there and I'd never met her before. She was just so smart. And she's one of those people that you just want to sit and curl up and talk to. <laughs> yeah, no, I she really is. I had the same experience. I, I went to get my eyebrows done by her a couple months ago. I was lying on her table and it just felt like talking to like an old friend or something. She just has the best, most comforting vibe. Having great brows really does change how you look. You know what I mean? It really defines your features and and it affects how you feel. Like when my brows are overgrown and just bushy, I sort of find myself shrinking slightly. But when they're groomed and I feel good about them, I just feel more like myself, however cheesy that is. (laughs) Are you big on brows? I used to get my brows done. Like for a long time, I went to the reigning queen at the time, Eliza, and she would pluck my brows and she did this supernatural. I love how they looked. And like... I got older and it just stayed. I didn't need to have my brows plucked oh. anymore because I guess if you pluck the same hair enough times, it's like, okay, I give up. And luckily, right. she was what, you know, the best brow person in the world at the time, and so I'm really happy with my brows and I never have to do anything to them. Wait, that's amazing. <laughs> I just love her approach. She's so casual and reassuring. And she's not like, let's fix your brows. She sort of loves all brows and she just sort of enhances them and makes you feel really beautiful even before she starts working on your brows or talking about them. Yeah, I think that's always who ends up being the top person in any field like that. Makeup artist, hairstylist, dermatologist, Mm -hmm. the people who really look at the person. We talked about this when we had Frederick Fakai on. At the beginning of my career, I had this day where I had to spend the day in his salon watching him work. And what I noticed was just how each client would come in and he would really take them in and look at them in this light of what's beautiful about them. He wasn't vocalizing it, but it was something you could really see. I think that is what real beauty is. And that's why those people end up at the top is because they make each person look beautiful. They don't put a stamp on them. You almost like envision someone being the top person as being sort of snooty, but but that's not true. And we've all had that opposite experience where someone's like, oh, your skin's a mess or your hair is terrible. You're never going back to them, but B, they're trying to impose their thing on you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, all I want to do is have her do my brows in person again when things are back. She does give us pretty incredible tips in this one. I'm actually going to try to do mine myself, maybe. 
Okay, let's get to Jimena. So, Jimena, we are so excited to talk to you today. How do you get into brows? Were you were you always obsessed with them, or what was the? How did that happen? Oh my goodness! I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. So, I when when I think about how I got into brows, it's kind of like brows and myself. We found each other. It's like a story of love, and then we got married. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I, I started brows, and I made that decision to create this labor of love through brows and my expression as, as an artist through that is that I started studying art history. Mm. I always, as like when, when I was young, it was very OCD. I understood placement. I was attracted to all the arts. I loved opera. I, I loved painting. And so when I started to study art history, what happened was that I took a continuing education course at Parsons and it was, it was for makeup. And when I took it, the person that gave me, you know, confidence in doing makeup was my teacher. He actually asked me to be his student teacher and I was really young. Mm. And that's where the journey started in, in beauty. And also, of course, I have to give credit to my Latin American bougie mother who was like, oh my <laughs> you know, trim those brows or put on the lipstick or, or do whatever. And my aunts that were like, you wear jeans. So... <laughs> That, that was a huge influence in my life, but I was always kind of a rebel. In school, I had to think outside of the box because I was a bit dyslexic. What did that have to do with brows was when I started to do makeup and I started to do people's eyebrows, which was in that class, I started to realize how cool would it be to have one tool and be able to create a craft at its excellence. I remember thinking that one day in class, and I remember going home to my apartment in New York at the time. And it was just like these like synchronicity of, of things. And my, the janitor was sweeping the building. And in Car- and I looked at Carlos and I, and I looked over at like his whole toolkit. And he had all of these brooms. And I was like, what is that? So I was like, Carlos, how can we have so many brooms to like sweep the whole thing? And he started to talk about how the importance that he gave his job and how every broom had a technique for every type of floor. And I was wow, like, wow, that's so cool. Amazing. And I was yeah. like, that's the juice right there. I was mm-hmm. like, that's it. And so basically it was those interactions and then going to makeup artistry school and then always being able to see shape and form. Throughout the process of doing that makeup artistry, I was able to then, uh, a woman who had a facial studio in Soho Mm-hmm. Um, called me Robin Evans and she, and she called me and she was like will you do eyebrows here and so I went to go talk to her and it was the first person that I was able to talk about eyebrows with and I was thinking well, can this just even be a thing you know and yeah. so I started to just do brows and people just started coming and coming and I started to question myself as an artist and a technician I'm like why are they just, you know, why are they going to the facialist? Or why are they just going to the mani-pedi? And that's when I started to understand who I was as an artist and what I was bringing to the table. Yeah, that is that is really cool. And I have a sort of a follow-up question as you were talking. Art history, like... What are the what are some of the best brows in painting? <laughs> oh my god, it's a good question. When people come to see me, I think of myself more of maybe as like an art director. This has to do with painting and art history. Yeah. So for example, I have this like beautiful blonde woman that comes in with very light brows and I start to observe her 
of course I observe other things, which is like, you know, their movement, how they're talking, because the facial features basically are always in movement. So when I see this woman and she's so beautiful and she looks like a Dutch painting, I say, mm. we can't tint your brows. We can't. That's not <laughs> right. Because that essence of your beauty will be taken away in two seconds just to make that what we think is a perfect brow. So history and brows and, and all of that, when we think of Aphrodite and like the goddess and the uh-huh. or, or even when we think of the Mona Lisa, there's so many things in, in our history that tell what we're doing with brows and the trials and, and the trends that we're bringing. For example, right now, it's like the big, fluffy, like effortless brow. Why? And I think it's because we're in a liberation of, of women. We're in a liberation of self and beauty and just letting mm-hmm. it go. But there's a self-care in that. But it's more like I'm more influenced by Picasso, to be honest, in the Japanese way of observing beauty. And it's the art of imperfection. And what does symmetry mm-hmm. really mean? Because in history, from the Greeks and all of these brilliant minds, they say that we're so attracted to symmetry, which we are, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we know that it has to do with procreation, you know, and, and, and all of those things. But what we don't take into consideration, this is how our history helped me, is the, the context of the whole painting. So the context of the whole body and the, mm-hmm. the whole being. Right. And so I had this really beautiful sculptor come and see me. And I was nervous to do her brows because I, I hold this as an art form, right? And so I did her brows. And at the end, she didn't say anything. And she, we had this really big, uh, long uh, mirror in the studio. And she looked at her brows. And then she started looking at her feet. And she started looking at her whole body and she turns around with her smirk and like her eyebrow went up. I, I just remember this so clear. And she looks at me and she goes, Jimena, you just made my breasts look bigger. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, what do you mean? And boom, in that second, I realized the context of the whole painting. I realized the way we're looking at things isn't as a whole. When we look in the mirror, we look at ourselves and we're like, oh my God, I don't have a really full brow. Or This piece. Yeah. So I I think it's very important to look at everything so we do create symmetry in a whole. Yeah. Wow. That is like the best answer ever. All of it. (laughs) Like, oh my God. You do different things, obviously, but can you describe the brow look you're famous for giving clients? I like all types of brows, Uh but I think that what people really identify my work as, I can do like a couture brow, right? And what that means is that I can tailor make to what your beauty is and what your essence is. It's not just the visual aspect of it, it's who are you? And like, mm-hmm. what do you want your brows to say about you? And I can sense that. I, I have that gift. You know, we all use our gifts in whatever craft we, we decide right. to do. For example, Meg, when I first met you and you, I opened the door and I was like, oh my God, she's this stoic, majestically queen of her land. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I no, no, but really, I was like, what is that? And and also, Jean, when I when I first saw you at, at that dinner, I, I'll know oh, yeah. it's like, oh my God. I was like, this chick is smart. I was like, <laughs> so that all has to do with the brow. And I think that what people, people understand, it's not like the super, I do tend to go to the more natural brow because I think that that's who we are. Like what is the nature of who we are? Mm-hmm. I also love that we can play. I think that this happened in the history of brows from like, you know, the 1920s to the Carl Bow or after World War II and the 50s with like Ron McCall or Elizabeth Taylor. And 
I love the fact that we have a whole lifetime to play all the characters that we want to play with. And you could do that with your brows because I heard this thing that Tom Ford said, and I'm obsessed mm. with is Ooh, that uh, he's just extraordinary. And and he's so obsessive that I'm like, oh my God, if I ever get to do your brows, I'll like die and go to heaven. <laughs> um, basically, he said something like, your brows are the only feature of your face that can really change your expression. Like, you're, are you sad? Are you happy? Are you awake? And it, that really has to do with the characters that we play. So, for example, Marilyn Monroe gave great emphasis on her brows because she had dark brows and blonde hair. Like, what does that mean? What does that give? I do like other types of brows. It just depends who you are. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Like how a great hairstylist, like, reads the person and that influences uh-huh. the style they give. It's the same kind of thing. Uh huh. Uh huh. Totally. Totally. Like when I hear like Frederick Bakai obsessed with him or, or yeah. the God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And when you hear them, I think that we all, we I, like it's the minute that person walks in the door, you see, you say the sway in their hip, you see like, you know, their, their flirtatious ways. And <laughs> it's so funny. I had a client come in two days ago and she had her mask on and she was telling me, she's like, you know, I have this situation right now where my husband's always told me that I always express my, my feelings through my mouth and, and my joy through my smile. And now what, what do we do? How, how, <laughs> yeah. Where's my smile? We know how we're feeling, you know, because mm-hmm. our, our, our mouth is covered. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like the importance of brows right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is true. Is there anything there used to be sort of old formulas about like this face shape makes a difference in what the, brow is there is a generalization of what shape we should have i think one of the old ways of educating that and how you should be thinking about your brows is the pencil trick that you put it against your nostril and you raise the oh yeah up to the beginning point of the brow and then you start to rotate it to the middle of the cornea of the eye and that's where your arch should be and then to the end point and that's where your brow should end. So basically that generalization of where our brows should start, arch, and end, there's something good to go by. But we also have to take in consideration that, for example, there's all these like tales that are told like, oh, the longer brow that I have, the healthier it is. And mm-hmm. the that's not necessarily true. If you have a shorter brow, when you're looking at the whole painting again, the whole face, you're literally extending your cheekbones up. So you're elongating your face. Mm. So there's these misconceptions that I think that we have with the association of things that we've told like ourselves, like, and I think that that's what we have to question when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, do I have ugly brows? Well, why do you think that? Mm -hmm. And this is sort of related to that is a lot of people get Botox on their forehead and that affects the shape of their brow and also, you know, what you were talking about movement. How do you work with that? Number one, come to see me after you've gotten your Botox because it influences. But with movement, for example, if you're a really good technician, you're working with this person, you've been doing their brows a lot, when the skin is still on the top of the forehead, Mm -hmm. a good thing to create more texture in the face, more movement is to be able to create long hair in the brow. Because then it's not flat. So Mm -hmm. taking that into consideration. And then at that point, if you like more Botox, let's say. Yeah. You want to create more of an arch towards the end. Because there's a movement there. 
I'm obsessed with Kandinsky and I forget the word that is used for him. He had a condition where he could hear music. Oh, synesthesia. Ah, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, so I love that. that. <laughs> I wish there was a term for that in browse. I can hear, I can see where that art should be. So the mm. thing is that like, and, and this has to do with where your arch placement goes. When I'm talking to the person, I start to see their facial, their facial features and how they move them. Do they move their mouths a lot? And if that's the case, should they have a clear, tighter brow? Huh? And mm-hmm. also, that also goes with the fact of Botox and a still face. How do we create more movement and more texture in the brow? So interesting. Yeah, yeah that is. Okay, and and since this is a podcast and no one can see you, we have to call out that you have the most amazing brows. Oh my god, like, <laughs> they're so good. You attributed them to your Colombian and Lebanese roots. How much maintenance and grooming do you do? I don't do too much. I do the bottom because I want to keep the fluffiness. What's really important to me is my hair health because the thing is that my brows grow down. So it's very tricky for me to fluff them up. So it was like a whole entire investigation of how do I, how do, how do I have like fluffy up brows and, you know, this whole lamination movement and all of this. So, but, but, but not having to use like chemical and stuff. So right. when you ask me, what do I do with my brows? And right. because I have my Lebanese and Colombian descent, my hair has a lot of strength. So mm-hmm. soften the brow. I exfoliate the brow. And what that does is that it takes all of the dead cells and the, the skin off the inside of the brow, which creates more hair growth, by the way, and circulation. Oh. And I put for my like brow care, which is kind of like what I do after, is I will use like an essential oil or I use aloe gel and I have some amazing tricks. And then what that does is that it softens my hair. So a lot of people that have curly, coarse hair, if they were to exfoliate their brows and um, put oil, it softens it so it makes it fluffy. It's the best. Wow. <laughs> so I, I brush my brows a lot. You know how like people brush their hair before they go into a meeting or like whatever? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Like before I did this podcast, the funniest thing like happened. I was like, okay, I'm going to wear like my mom's pearls so I can channel her and whatever. <laughs> and, then, like, and then what I noticed was I didn't put on lipstick. I like, I brushed my brows. It makes me feel. <laughs> That's how you feel your power. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, I've been thinking about this and there's really great brow artists or technicians, whatever you want to call them. And I feel really bad because they were in the generation of tweezing their whole eyebrow hair. It's not their fault. Like they don't have like these jeans that have big fluffy brows. We have the tendency to judge by what that person has. But like if I had really, really thin brows, I would want to say to the world, no, but I'm really good. Don't judge me by my brow. (laughs) (laughs) When you were talking about like almost synesthesia, you're feeling what the person is like. One of my first jobs was I scooped ice cream in the bottom of Penn Station and I got so that I could tell what the person was going to order before they ordered it. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> like what flavor. And I wonder, does a brow shape, like a natural brow shape ever correlate to personality traits? When you meet someone, are you like, oh, I know what you're like? Oh, totally. Oh, totally. It's awful. So like I put my ego in check every once in a while. But like, yes, I do go through this filtering process where 
I'm like, you're an artist or you're a banker for sure. (laughs) Banker round. Because I always want to bring out something that they've never brought out before. I have this client, Mm. she works on Wall Street. And I always try to make her brows like super fluffy and free because like, it's just like my, I'm like, no, 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 I need to bring this person up. And she's like, <laughs> and then when I'm done, she looks in the mirror, she's like, yeah, we got to trim this a little bit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yes, definitely. It, it has to do with character, right? I think that what we do creates, and this is something that I think that is, is so interesting in beauty is like, who are we creating? And that has to do with brow shape for sure. If I have somebody extremely conservative, sometimes it's fun to ask them like, well, why don't you look a a little sexier? And why don't you put on some, a a brow pencil to create like a a sharper arch? Because there is a sexiness to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it has to do with the character that you're creating for sure. And that's how I judge it too. But, But it's a collaboration with the person. This is something that I think that people... I noticed this in beauty school. So I had to go to, um, so I had to go to beauty school to get here in California to do eyebrows. You have to become an esthetician or you have to become a cosmetologist. And I didn't, Uh, and I came out here and I was like, yes, I was like, oh, I'm going to become part of this team that never worked out and whatever. And then I suddenly went to start to work. And then I met up with this guy and this guy's like, well, you have to be an esthetician. I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, so I went to beauty school and not a lot of people know it's so funny in Hollywood. And when I went to class, I was much older than everybody else. And I'm looking at the first thing, the press, I was like, if they don't change these curtains in this beauty school, I'm not. <laughs> but, and that was like the first thing, but the, the girls there, they were, and I feel like we all are when we're young, we're so vulnerable and we're educated on a clean slate. And they were just in beauty school. And I wish in beauty school, not only would they teach technique, but they would teach art history and they would teach the how, how there's there's a beauty that's not the one that we see, but it's the one it's, it's like an environment. It's an aura. And it's. Yeah, it's the whole picture. What if you have no skill like me? What's mm-hmm. the easiest way to maintain your brow shape at home? Because this happened during the pandemic when we all yeah. down. I had never had to attain the skill to educate. So like now I can talk about it. Ask me. <laughs> pre- Amazing. Oh no, I, I just did what I had to do. People would show up. So what happened was that actually Celia Ellenberg, the beauty editor, asked me to tell people how to do brows at home. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, how am I going to do that? And I was like, oh my God. I I started to think of all the tips and tricks that like would help you do such a thing. I can give you any guidance. So one is basically cleaning your brows, number one. So before you pluck, there's bacteria around. So if you're prone to basically breakouts and things like this, something really good to take into consideration is clean your skin area first before you pluck because you're a good tip your your pore is open okay yeah okay first thing how do you open your pores so that it doesn't hurt as much for hair removal when you pluck a really good way is like right after the shower because your pores are open you can go to the mirror right away or you can use a facial steamer you know if you have a facial steamer it's a really great trick to do before you pluck your brows and afterwards when you're about to shape your brows a good thing to do is sometimes draw your makeup on before 
so that you don't go outside or you don't pluck more than you should. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're trying to create your dream shape, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to grow out your brows. That's the best trick because you're maybe with makeup, you're making them bigger than they should, but that's exactly what you should be doing to know exactly what you should be taking off. Do you know what I mean? So that's that's often the problem of doing it at home is that you overdo it rather than underdo it, right? Correct. And so going back to the quarantine, what happened was that I started doing virtual brows and I was like, well, these people, I need them to really feel like they're getting, this isn't just a chit chat exchange. How do you educate? Yeah. And everybody's like masters of selfies now. I mean, (laughs) so basically take a selfie of yourself because you're going to want to look at yourself outside of yourself so you can see where your imbalance is. Okay. And that's what I had people do. So is I had them take pictures of their face, their right brow and their left brow. They, they sent it to me and I got super old school, like geeky art school. And I got a light box from Amazon. I think that like people should do this if they're into it. Everybody wants to know how to do things themselves. And I think that this is so cool. So you basically, well, what I did was I placed the images on the light box and I started to symmetrically see what was off, right? So you can do that with a selfie. You can look at the selfie while you're doing your brows and also create a mood board of like your dream brows. It's kind of like if you're working out, you have like your picture or, or you don't want to overeat and you're having pictures on your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do that in your bathroom so that you stay A, away from the trees or where you shouldn't. But when you're shaping your brows, you can have an image of yourself. So when you're working on your right, on your left, it's, you're basically, you have a reference to understand where to go and where not to go. That's kind of like a cool trick. I don't know if people are going to go all out like that, but if they don't want to go it helps. that, it helps. The other thing that people can do is concentrate. Like if you're growing out your brows, like concentrate again, on your hair health, which is the exfoliation of brows. So a really good home trick that you can do um, is Take a little bit of pink salt and, and you grind it very fine. Um, pink salt. Okay. Um, yeah. It's great. So you put a little bit of pink salt on your hand. You put a little essential oil. I, I love to use Chanel's jasmine oil. You can also use, you know, coconut oil or you can use different types of oil. You blend it with your finger and you just go over your brow in circular motion. So you're also taking all the residue off the hair. So if you oh, nice. use brow serum to grow your brows, it's penetrated. Like it actually, yeah. oh. you're allowing the pore to kind of breathe and get your the, the hair that you want to grow out. So that's something really cool to do. I just have a, qu- a procedural question. Do you trim your brows first or tweeze your brows first? I would trim my brows first because when you trim your brows, your brows can look wider or thinner depending on how you trim your brows. So you want to do mm-hmm. that. Then you see what you're dealing with. Meaning, and when you trim your brows, you don't want to trim your brows. I always people say this, and I don't believe in this, that you trim your brows like, you know, you lift your brow and then you trim it in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're, we're at a curve. So it's taking the curve into consideration. So when you're doing it yourself, do one brow at a time. So you're creating this unevenness. Yeah. Like a layered effect so that it falls better and you create a fluffier brow. That's Sally Hershberger always says that if you're if you're trimming your hair that you uh-huh. want to have it be all you you twist it you couldn't do this with your brow unless you had a lot but to make it uneven huh so so brow trimming first mm-hmm. then when you trim if your brow hair because a lot of brow hair is very thin 
you can put some gel in it to kind of fluff it up, make it hold so you can see if you're going too far or what you've trimmed or what you haven't trimmed and it's holding itself. Yeah, that's a good one. Cool, yeah. Um, you can also use, I always say that you can use pure aloe. I'm obsessed with this. Like you can mm. get aloe leaf at their one or you can go to Whole Foods or you can go to your local bodega. They have like, they have real Just like aloe. crack one open. <laughs> Literally. You yeah. can open and the meat is a clear brow gel. Yeah. And it is also a conditioner. So before you go to the beach, what you can do, well, you don't want to waste the whole leaf, right? So you can actually put it in a tray. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you oh, good. of the aloe leaf gel and you can either put it in your refrigerator that lasts for a week or you can put it in your freezer so that you have because there's a lot of people that are allergic to all these chemicals and, and, and oh for right sure. yeah and makeup it's a great way to use it as a brow gel or before you go to the beach or if you're going to a hot climate a lot of people do infrared saunas or you go exercise use it because that's when the pore opens and that's where the nutrients are received a lot use it before you're saying yeah okay yeah (laughs) what's the difference between brow gel versus brow pencil versus brow powder do you have a preference depends on what the person there's so many great like products out there right now oh my god look at it like ingredients that you're cooking with or how about hair products? So for example, there's such like, there's pomades, right? Yeah. There's just gels. Like what are the difference between all of those? So it's what you want to create in your brows. Brow gels have a lighter hold. So we, you mm-hmm. want to say like, so for example, Chanel has a clear brow gel that it holds nicely, softly, more natural. Surat has a pomade say has an amazing brow gel, but it has more oils in it. So when it has more oils in it, it holds, right? Mm-hmm. But it it doesn't it doesn't have that like strong. So it's kind of like mousse versus gel versus. Ah. Um, so it's like that's what happens with all of those. So now, for example, you can deal with waterproof waterproof pencils compared to mm-hmm. regular pencils. A, a brow pencil has a lot of wax in it. The waterproof pencil will hold longer, which has like more wax in it. So it's like if you just need a shadow right? You want a soft pencil or you can use a powder that you can just softly go over. If you want to create streaks to mimic hairs, that's Mm -hmm. where it comes in. So it depends what your need is for what type of brow you want to create. You can use different types of makeup for different types of things. If you're growing out your brows, you can use a concealer and you can go over the little baby hairs that are growing out and it literally diminishes the shade so that it's not so prominent and you don't feel kind of like dirty and not put together. Yeah. So that's a really good trick. And that also can, a concealer or an actual highlighter can create like the illusion of a higher arch. Mm, right. What about making thin brows look more full in a natural way? A really great thing to do with that is a tinted brow gel because you want to utilize what you have. So if you have a really thin brow gel, you're, you have like you have hair going across the brow, and so what what it does is just like mascara, right? You're mm-hmm. not thickening the brow, but you're bringing all the little baby hairs up front with the tint of mm-hmm. the. A lot of people actually ask me sometimes they don't have the right tone for them, right? Yeah. Um, Redheads have this problem all the time. They're like, what am I supposed to use? Yeah. And a really fun trick is to use clear brow gel and take, you can take any eyeshadow, 
example, that has the right tone to you and you make your own sense of groucho. I think that's oh, one. that's a good one. Yeah. So you just, you just kind of take a little bit of the, you scrape a little of the shadow out and then you mix it with it and you can create your own tone. I think that's super, super fun. That's really good. Is there anything people can do at home to actually get overplucked brows to grow? Yes. I mean, this is like the question of questions. I think that also has to do with caring for your brows, like loving your brows. What, whatever we put our, our time and our love and our dedication to, like does that energy, it oh, for really, sure. really works. People who take care of plants, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that they have that certain thing. I swear I touch people's eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and they sprout. <laughs> so, so, so you, can, you can create this energy in your hands and in your fingers too. And I think, it, and, and this might sound cheesy, but it has to do with loving yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I, that, that's number one, as into what you can do. Number one. The old tale of your grandmother, like brush your hair like a hundred times and your hair will go. Why? It's circulation. It has to be circulation. Right. So if you, for, I think that the, something that you can do is brush your brows a lot and mm-hmm. you're creating more circulation in your brow area. So then the hair has growth cycles. It's six to eight weeks. It's three stages of the hair cycles. This is generally speaking for people, but. I have clients that it's taken them a year or two to grow out their eyebrows. And that's okay. You know, the, everything we do is a process in life, right? Like it, it's not instantaneous. Yeah. And we think that it is. But it's important to understand that what we can do is have patience, number one, love your brows, understand brushing the brows and the circulation, exfoliation of the brows because it allows the, the hair to grow out. And it's also the oils that we can be using. Like for, when I was mentioning the aloe vera, it has A, vitamin A, C. It strengthens and it repairs the hair. Brows and lashes, the hair is so, it's it's so fragile. It's so tender. So we have to nurture it. And this allows it to last longer. It's also the trimming of the brows. It's the same with hair. Like when you mm-hmm. trim it, it does, it does help grow the brow. A lot of people lose their, their brow hair pre-pregnancy, after pregnancy. It depends. And I started questioning all of this when this was happening. And what it, and when I looked into it, what I read about was is, is hormone health. So this does have to do with brows. Your hormones have to do with your brow when we get older, that we lose a lot of brow sometimes. But when you think about it, when you go through menopause, the estrogen levels go up. And when estrogen levels grow up, you increase your hair growth. I was thinking about this the other day when I was with one of my clients. She, she was going through that. And I, we were laughing. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's hope. There's like... And taking consideration of understanding where, where are your hormones and, and that if you feed your inner health, your, your nutritional health, you're going to help your brow, your, your brow coat, like health and your brow hair by yourself at home. Because it's not just only like you come in to see me and, oh, your brows are going to look perfect. You have to do your part too, right? What is your feeling on brow waxing? I know like people who use Retin-A and prescription retinoids can't do it at all. Is there ever a reason to do waxing versus plucking? Mm. Oh my God, this is like the best question. So the the reason why is because I've, I've really looked into all of these things because there is so many ingredients in skincare now that thin out the skin. For, mm-hmm, for sure. Exfoliation, everybody needs to be careful because they're thinning out their skin. So I, as a brow artist, have to be very careful because waxing was so popular 
a long time ago, but now because of this other aspect that we have to take in consideration, you have to be careful. So waxing is an amazing tool, technique, paste to use, but it's very important as a brow person to understand what the, if the person just had a facial, what kind of skincare are they using? Because you do take off a very, very, very thin layer of the skin. And if it's, if it's at this like precious, very vulnerable place, it's not the best thing to do. Sugar is an old, it's taught, it's been talked about recently here in in the States, but it's been, you know, in different cultures, it's been around for a long time. So sugaring is a natural paste room temperature that kind of does the same thing as, as wax. It's been used a lot, like in the Middle East. And I'm imagining that this is what was used in the times of Egypt and, and, and all of these things, which it's like honey, and it's a natural paste. So when it's room temperature, you don't have that sensibility. that You're going to burn your skin or whatever. There's also yeah. threading, as you know, that's used. That's a phenomenal technique for some. So it hurts a lot of people. But at the same time, it's wonderful because you're not putting heat when you're not taking the first layer of the skin. With threading too, it's, it's interesting because when you think about the threader and then you loop, no? You go in rows, whereas with a tweezer, it's, you're, you're going in and you're being very precise. You have control. It's kind of like Japanese. It's every hair, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think that you can use all of these techniques and you should question as somebody that's going to go get their brows done, like, well, what technique are you using on? and what the best thing is for you there's there's also razors right mm-hmm. so there, there, there's brow razors and i think those are kind of great for if you're growing out your brows and you have some great event or wedding that you're going to and you've done like six months of growth and you're just like great now what so when you razor your brow you're not taking the brow from the follicle I mean, oh. the so you're not messing with that. You're not messing with the, the growing. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I didn't know there were brow razors. That seems so precarious. Yeah, be careful, right? So it's yeah. like you have to make sure that your skin's moisturized and all of those things because you always have to prep the skin. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you said, speaking of skin care, you said showering and then plucking makes it less painful because you're opening up the cuticle. Is there Correct. skin care that can make plucking hurt less? Yeah, there's essential oils that, that you can that you can use because the thing is that, okay, so you have to think about the layers in the skin and where the bulb, where the hair root mm-hmm. is, and that's in the dermis. So whatever you skincare you're using to soften, okay, so you don't want to use anything that's tightening your skin before. You want to use things that soften and relax the skin so that it's penetrated in to where the blood supplies, the nerve, the root, okay? Because that's where the bulb is. So that when that slips out, it doesn't hurt as much. You want to make sure you're not like cold or like in like... Mm, Right, like supple, like moisturization you want. There's that. But when you let the brow circulation go, you're stimulating the blood flow, right? Something fun to do is also rollers do that. Jade rollers can do that. So you don't have to like massage your brow, but remember to use your roller like on top of your brow to stimulate that there because we we always go around our brows or something to take into consideration because you're asking about skincare to help that yeah don't put so much skincare on your brow because you're putting that on your brow hair do you see what i mean it's kind of like Mm -hmm. creating like residue within within the the hair so when you put on your makeup it can't glide or it can't penetrate the way it should 
So before the pandemic, you flew all over the world to see clients. You have outposts in Paris, New York, and now you're in LA. Do people want the same brow look everywhere? Or is there like a sort of, you're like, oh, I'm here. They're all going to want to (laughs) this. This is one of the things that I've enjoyed so much is traveling and being like an anthropologist of of brow, right? Everybody wants something different because of the trend that's happening or because of what they're accustomed to. And this is something that's like so fascinating to me. So for example, it's true. LA versus New York, right? It's so funny. Like New York has a tendency to be more European, to have this like, je ne sais quoi, you know, <laughs> where LA is more, you know, that you're going to be still because you're going to be in images and you're going to be, you know, there's, uh. there's more of that aesthetic type of beauty that of maybe you could even say like perfection right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then traveling also culturally speaking with brows, for example, in Colombia, where I go to visit a lot, also, you know, when I do people's brows there, the tradition of family is so important. So there's, there's tons of brow stories where like, for example, you know, I've done my cousin's brows and they have these huge fluffy, like crazy brows. And I look at them and they're like, well, you know, how do you feel about your brows? And she's like, you know, I remember my cousin being like, well, these are my grandfather's brows. Like, well, <laughs> oh, that's cool. So yes, culturally speaking, everybody's different. And I think that also influenced my technique of, of, of how I see beauty and also just the tradition of things. It's so beautiful, these processes that we do. It's like the first time that you're going to touch your brows and please care for them. And it's a moment that you remember. And it's passing on, not only is a tradition cultural and how you look at beauty, but all of these young girls that have been coming in because a lot do because they're so conscious of beauty at such a young age. I try to work with them so that they, they're not as influenced with um, this perfection that we're seeing so much. I, I feel like a great responsibility of what is beauty. I tell them, do you know that in Africa, there's places that unibrow is celebrated, you know, when they feel bad mm-hmm. about themselves? Yeah. And I'm like, celebrated it's a cultural rite of passage they have it on their mannequins (laughs) and they're like what i think that the difference in beauty and in different places i think that we should expose this more all of these differences and i've been really thinking about what's the future of beauty what's the future in my world is brows and i think it's men i think Mm. the feminine and the male there should be no gender we need to Men, because guys, husbands are, are literally dragged in because they're embarrassed. It's the <laughs> right. And they need to feel comfortable. Beauty is about everybody. And yeah. same with caring, the brows. Like, it's, it's the self-care of what your brow is. A lot of people are like, that come in, they just come in because they just want to care for their brows within the trajectory of their lives and just come and check in. Because it's not just about, like, getting, like, a shape that you want. It's about caring for yourself. I always say this. It's so funny. When I look at my boyfriend and I'm like, okay, I got to get at those. Do you know what I mean? I have to look at you every day. You look at one, like in the morning, if anything, I'm like, it's, it's for me. You know what I mean? So definitely going back to the whole thing about culturally speaking, the most beautiful thing happened that I am so excited about is that this mother brought in her son. Ooh. And I was like, that's it. I was like, the world's changing. We're all one. I was like, <laughs> and I was, and the, the kid was young enough not to understand that he should be embarrassed. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, so nice. And the mother, it's not that she wanted to change her son. It's just that he, she wanted him to know that, I mean, generally speaking, we could say they were out of control. Mm-hmm. And it was like, cool. I'm so happy you're here. And he left and he was just like, ah, oh. like, like kind of like, I'm not going to get made fun of like, you know, you balance. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Really cool. It was that really is cool. really cool. I know. You just have the most unique perspective and and it's so cool you've made such a name for yourself in the beauty industry which mm. the world where it's really hard to do that and distinguish yourself did you always believe in yourself and know you were gonna achieve this I was so excited that you asked me to do this because I don't have a product and I've chosen not to yet it's my outlook on things what I'm cultivating here is me and my outlook on it so thank you that the success I had a feeling because I decided to take a great responsibility on diving in deep to myself and saying what is beauty I think that one of the reasons why my clients like to come to me and the successes happen is because I'm very truthful mm-hmm. and it's the energy that I produce that I take with great responsibility of this exchange that I'm having with every human being that comes into me and understanding that my craft is not just the shape of the bride, but it's the responsibility of shifting that person and how they look at themselves because they're coming in vulnerable. They don't know. I yeah. know. This is my gift. I, I, I was observing and I was like, well, why aren't technicians doing this? This is so important. It's mm-hmm. like, go just with the, like you know brow starts here da, 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 da. and there's yeah something. So I knew that there was something different about me in that and then I started to see that people walked out and they were free and so uh, I was like this has to be something I, I don't know if that answers your question because the thing is that sometimes I question myself and I'm like oh my god what empire should I be building do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is that? And it's great because it's every person that you touch and that rippling effect. I just love what I'm doing. And I think it's about having having confidence. Our last question is that now in LA, you're seeing clients at the proper hotel in Santa Monica. You have this great outdoor space that's super chic, but COVID safe. And you've adapted your business also to be online, you know, you mentioned earlier about giving sort of brow workshops and master classes. Can you tell us a little about that, how people can do it? Sure. I love doing collaborations with Chanel, my collaboration with the proper that they like have the same ethos, the same core, like I do. So the Santa Monica proper, and I mean this because it's amazing. When you walk in there, it's like the customer service from the guy that's opening the elevator. It's with heart. Oh, I grew up in Manhattan and it was like the guy, the elevator guy at Tiffany's and you're just like, Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's that they have that. It's also Kelly, who is the interior designer, everything, oh. everything. So when, when, when I'm thinking about creating service and collaborating, because that's what we need to do now. We need to, we need to support each other in business because that's where the world is going. It's not just like about like my thing. I said, what do I want my client to experience when they're going in? Because that's the beginning of everything, right? So it was the perfect place for that person to go in. And then it's so chic because it's like the outdoor area. And it has to do with the whole thing of it. If you're going to leave your house nowadays, <laughs> true, you know what I'm saying? it has to be something that you want to A, spend money on and B, like, 
like embody yourself in and feel safe in. So that's number one. So the Santa Monica Robber was an extraordinary collaboration. And I think that we've done such a great job. They've done such a great job in, um, in, in creating that. The, the virtual appointments, now that I, I do them with Chanel, Atelier Boutique Chanel in, in Soho, it's an extraordinary experience to educate, number one. Yeah. And one of the coolest things is it's also a global thing. I remember when this started in my first appointment, I'm in the bathroom with her and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is totally different. I looked out her window and I'm like, oh my God, you're in, where are you? And she was like, oh, I'm in Ireland. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, amazing. That's so cool. So, but, so, so virtual is wonderful. So and a person would just go on, go onto the Chanel site can, and yes, be directed to it. You can go on the Chanel site or you can go onto my site, which has the link. Oh, that, awesome. Okay. That goes, that goes there. And I took what I created and they had their, their tech team take it to another level. And that's also the beauty of working with them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to be, to be doing this. And I think it opens me up to be able to be global because I don't have to be in one place. Right. Don't have to be in a plane quite so much. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Our listeners are going to love this. This was a really amazing interview. So thank you for for doing it. Thank you so much for the interest and for creating this platform. I admire you both tremendously. Okay, so I I love so much of what she said, but the thing I really, really love is what she was saying about her building's janitor, Carlos, and how he had like 10 different brooms for like different terrains to sweep. And just, I love that, just being the master of your art, like whatever it is. Yeah. I just think that's so inspiring. I agree. And figuring out what's best for what situation. But also Mm -hmm. when she was talking about how she brushes her brows all the time and that she brushed her brows before the interview instead of putting on lipstick kind of thing. And I always think about that. She talked about it, about wherever you put your attention, that's what's going to shine. I think about that with all sorts of doing like a yoga practice. Anytime you give attention to something. So true. Making food for your family. Yeah. It's anything. Yeah, it's better. It makes it delicious and beautiful yeah. and powerful. And where she's like, I don't know why I come in and I touch people's brows and it's they start growing. And it's like, yeah. I, I kind of believe it, you know? Oh, I'm having these like terrible breakouts, like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I've been actually touching them lately. Like when I wash my face, I spend some time just touching and massaging the area and you don't want to touch breakouts like you don't want a patch of like blemishes but there's something about it it's like energy and being like I still love you you're gonna get yeah I think of like the dry brushing thing every morning just sort of getting in touch with yourself yeah I think it can be applied to just about anything it's funny how this one was obviously very much about brows but Well, I guess it's like with anything beauty related. It's about so much more. The other thing that she got at so beautifully was when she was talking about how we're attracted to symmetry and you could Mm -hmm. interpret that as like, okay, I need perfection. You know, this thigh needs to have the same exact circumference as the other (laughs) thigh, you know, which we all as women are like, well, I think people do get very focused on this wrinkle or that imperfection needs to be ironed away. Yeah, A lot of the people that we've talked to on the podcast talk about movement. I remember Julius Few, the plastic surgeon talked about it. Right. Frederick Rakai talked about it. So it's context of hair, context of skin. Yeah. The idea that there's this whole person and that particularly our culture loves to take women and 
put them into little pieces. We all know what happens when someone gets sort of too focused on one area, particularly with your brows. We all know people that like completely lost their minds and plucked too much of their brows (laughs) because they're like trying to be perfect. And it's that trying to be perfect and not looking at the whole picture. And when she was talking about the sculptor, I think, looking at herself in the mirror and saying like, oh my God, you just made my boobs look bigger. Oh, that was the best. I, I just love that. We are a whole person. If we consider our beauty is in these little boxes, we're not going to be so beautiful. You have to look at all of it. So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It, and you do one called Ask Jean, and we get a whole bunch of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all here right now. <laughs> Yes. So should we get into today's Ask Me Anythings or maybe Ask Us Anything? Yes. And if anyone's listening and has a question they want us to answer here, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. It could be about self-tanner, crow's feet, dry shampoo, parabens, our favorite bath soak, non-toxic lube. Or anything else. Now to today's question. Okay, this is from Jill P. I'm looking for a clean, safe, and effective semi-permanent hair color that I can use at home. Any tips? Okay. Semi-permanent, there's a great one. Permanent, there's also a good one that's a little more complicated to use called Hairprint. But the semi-permanent one I use, it's from Christophe Robin. He's a world-famous colorist that has this fabulous salon in Paris. And he developed this color and it only it works for brown hair and for red hair he does not have a blonde hair option yet the one thing to know about blonde certainly permanent hair color almost always involves some bleaching and bleach actually is less toxic as long as you're not putting it on your skin than most of the ingredients that are in conventional hair color conventional hair color including semi semi-permanent options can include some of the most toxic ingredients in beauty. And people have allergic reactions to them every year that can be deadly. It's definitely a a very toxic area of the beauty industry. And one of the tips that I got, no matter what hair color you're using, you know how they always say to to give yourself a test, you know, like a skin patch test? Uh With any allergy, like say allergy to bees, it builds up within your system and you become allergic to something. So a person who's had many bee stings is more likely to become allergic to bees. So every time you put that hair color on your skin (laughs) to test, you're giving yourself an extra time. So I avoid that. That's crazy. It's like, yeah, but the whole area is getting cleaner, but it's still probably the dirtiest area of the beauty industry in terms of chemicals that are that are toxic, that and hair straightening. But semi-permanent can definitely be safer than permanent. And this one from Christophe Robin, as clean as it gets. And for me, it lasts about seven shampoos, depends on how harshly I'm shampooing and that sort of thing. But for me, it's brilliant for roots. I just, it makes it so that I go to the actual hair color salon maybe once or twice a year. And the rest of the time, wow. it, it doesn't, because it doesn't have ammonia, you know, most hair color has ammonia and it, it smells terrible. This doesn't smell terrible at all. It's sort of, you feel like you're putting on this kind of glamorous French mask and you just put it on your roots. You leave it in for 40 minutes. You wash it out. I do a, um, at the same time, I like to put on my ends a hair mask. I love the one from Rahua right now. 
And I just tried one from Acton Maker that I thought was really cool. But you, you can leave that if you have highlights and you're coloring the top of your hair darker, you know, where your roots are, you're going to want to protect your highlights with some conditioner or a hair mask. So that's what I do. So I just put it in, put in the hair mask. And then, you know, I just sort of feel like I'm having like a mask beauty moment. It's certainly easier now that we're all in lockdown (laughs) to stay on top of a regular schedule. But whenever I'm like, look, and I'm like, oh, my roots are driving me crazy. I just get the, out the Christophe yeah. Robin. Doesn't smell. Doesn't cause any mess. It's like a gel. It's really easy to use. Like I can't recommend it more highly. God, and if you wash your, if you're someone who washes her hair like once a week, that'll yeah. just that'll oh really last. Oh my god, you. yeah. Go if on. I if I wash my hair less, I would. Yeah, you you do it even even less. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like you, you would expect, Oh, it's going to not blend into my hair, like regular hair color or something. No, it's like, I mean, he has incredibly high standards. He's, you know, he's a colorist. He's the best colorist in the world. Many people think so. He he wasn't like, Oh, I'll go for this clean option that like kind of works. It's like amazing. Yeah. It, there's nothing more fun than that salon. Like it makes you, it's like, I always tell people, you know, if they're going to Paris that they should go and even just get their nails done there, or you could actually go to it and just get your hair washed. They'll wash your hair for free in this giant clamshell. I'm not kidding. Wait, that's amazing. <laughs> you walk it off the street and they'll like, wash your hair for you. But if you go further back into the salon and you get some kind of, you know, even getting your nails done, get a trim, get, I mean, if you can get your yeah. hair colored, it's, incredible but you kind of see French society in a way that you you don't even see it you know you get a glimpse of that when you're in a restaurant if you're in a restaurant locals actually go to but go to the Christophe Robin salon and you're like oh you know here are these people about to get married and this is this politician walking by and here are these people gossiping and it feels like somebody's very lovely like salon in their house and everybody wears these he instead of having you know like you know how most salons try to look like super clinical yeah yeah his is like sofas and like low lighting and everybody the robes are those like kimonos in all different colors so you just feel like each person is individual everybody's relaxed i like there's just nothing like this oh my god (laughs) i really I have like some stomach pangs. <laughs> listen to this, like this sounds so luxurious, and that's such a good point about um like seeing French culture because that's so cool. That's like the best part about going somewhere. The French people do not make it easy to see their culture, <laughs> like their yeah, real yeah, culture, totally. you know. And they often can be a little a little abrasive. So um, <laughs> that it, that's the one context where you're like, oh, I see this. You know, it's like a little view into something you don't get to see. Oh, that makes me so happy to talk about. <laughs> yeah, now I want to go. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on The Beauty Closet. You can learn more about our new podcast series at goop.com slash podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend. <laughs>